Welcome to another Cleverly Changing Podcast. Today's episode is episode number 11. Today we are talking about preparation and this podcast is going to be a little bit different than the podcast that we've done in the past. This conversation is really mainly for parents. There will be no Cleverly Cultured Kids segment because we're really talking to parents about preparation when it comes to taking care of your kid and keeping them safe from predators. And so if you're not ready to have that conversation with your child, this can be a conversation that you want to listen to on your own and something that you may want to you know, research and highlight and really approach from uh, informed perspective, but the conversation is just a little bit different than the ones that we've done in the past. It's also a conversation that I feel was very needed and necessary and also one where it may not be a conversation that we want to have, but it's a conversation that is both needed and also one that we should feel more comfortable having in when we're with our circle of friends because it is our goal that we keep our family safe and our children safe. So if you have questions, if you have comments, please leave them in the comments section. Please share this podcast with a friend and please let us know what you think about this podcast. There will be a follow-up podcast with a trained professional. So podcast number 12 will be with a trained professional where we discuss more about this topic and related issues as it relates to predators, as it relates to children, as it relates to abuse and other areas. So we thank you for taking time to listen to the Cleverly Changing podcast, and we look forward to hearing from you and hearing your thoughts. It's now time for the word of the episode. Mahali Salama. It means safe place in Swahili. Make sure that your home is always a safe place. Welcome to another Cleverly Changing podcast. I am Elle. And I'm Miriam. And today we have an important topic to talk about. It's not one of fun, and I know sometimes as parents we shy away from this topic, but I think it's very important that we discuss this topic and just kind of make sure that we as parents have an understanding so that we can relay that same understanding to our children. Miriam, would you like to introduce the topic? Sure. So today we want to discuss keeping our children safe from predators. Um, Recently, we looked at a story 
about a little girl who I don't even think she was five or six years old. She was a very young child and she had been abused by her mother's boyfriend and both the boyfriend and the mother are now in jail. And that really upset me and hurt my feelings because they're children. I do not understand for the life of me why and what drives people to harm children, especially in such a heinous manner. The mom had knowledge of it. The, what do you call it? Family services or whatever it's called in your area was involved and the woman was supposedly banned from being in the same place with the boyfriend, but somehow or another they ended up living together again and he had the opportunity to yet again take advantage of this child. And so no parent wants this to happen to their children. And so we were just going to discuss ways that you can prepare your child for any advances that an adult or even another child may make on them so that they can stay safe. Right. I think it's very important for families to talk about good touch and bad touch and also let the child know the names of their body parts mm. and whether or not what parts should be covered, what parts shouldn't be, um, you know, like your fingers and stuff, your hands. But I think just clarifying things for children because sometimes children are not knowledgeable about the things and there's there can be a gray area that can cause confusion that can lead to secrecy and things like that and you really want to take all of those things out of the equation and you don't want to have a recipe of secrecy you want to make sure that your kids understand because you've opened the door to talk to him or her, and you've been able to make them comfortable in sharing things with you, things that are intimate and personal. And I think that, that really starts when children are young. So if you want to make your home an atmosphere where your child is comfortable with you, comfortable talking to you about anything, you start by talking to them when they're little. Mm -hmm. And it's important to make sure that you're willing to listen to what they have to say and not always share information. So share a little, receive a little, and just, you know, be able to establish a dialogue with them. Yeah, I agree. Communication is one of the first defenses that you have. So 
you know, unfortunately, things do happen. And if something were to happen, you want to know that your child feels that they can come to you and say that this happened to me and they can be confident that you are going to do your best to remedy the situation. So I, I know I've heard stories where a child says that something happened and the parent doesn't believe it or maybe they don't want to believe it or they don't know how to proceed with the information and unfortunately in those cases it seems that the abuse tends to continue or spiral way out of control as if it weren't already from the beginning so being mentally prepared for that yourself is another piece to the puzzle because unfortunately we cannot protect our children from everything as much as we want to it's just not possible to keep them from experiencing some things i mean we could be in the same room with them two feet away and they could fall off the sofa and bonk their head on the floor oh my baby they crying they hurt you were right there you just couldn't get to them in time so these kinds of things do happen and it's not your fault and i think it's important to let the child know that it's not their fault and that they don't have any you know any responsibility in what happened to them i think there's a lot of preparation that many predators take. And I think that we as well parents need to be taking the same amount of time for the preparation of ourselves and of our children so that we decrease the likelihood of something like that happening and we are prepared should something like that happen. Right. And as a parent, you always have to be watchful, even when it's someone that you feel that you know. So, you, ha you know, we live in a world where you do have to keep your guard up. I know that can be difficult and disconcerting to some people, but the fact is that many of us, many of people that we know, have had a situation where it was a little suspect. Um, and so I think because of that, you have to always be aware and keep a watchful eye. We've all you know, seen it come through our Facebook news feeds you know, in the recent months often. And I know that I have been troubled from the messages about these little kids being harmed. And it's not just little girls that are being harmed. Recently, Common came out and talked about um, facing um, sexual abuse when he was little and you know, trying to deal with it as an adult. So 
people from all different demographics, all different white walks of life are dealing with this. So it's not something that just occurs in one community. It happens throughout all communities and it's happened really since the beginning of time. It's not something that is more prevalent now. It's been happening always. And so as parents, parents who love their children, we just have to prepare our family in how to to deal with these type of situations and how to teach our children to protect themselves. And so that's really what we want to talk to you today about. How do you teach your children to protect yourself? So we always try to share a homeschool perspective. And as parents who homeschool our kids, one of the things that we are teaching them is not just the academic but it's life skills and learning how to advocate for yourself, to speak up for yourself, learning when to say no, knowing all of that comes into education, guidance, and that's what we want to kind of share with you today. So, Miriam, <laughs> I, I want us to kind of begin with maybe what we have done with our own children and how we've talked to them. As a mother of twins, I have, I've talked to my girls um, together just about, you know, like during bath time when they were really little, I would say, hey, you know, it's okay. Um, to take a bath with your sister now, but as you get older, you know, I'm gonna, you know, have you guys stop taking a bath and, you know, because you need your privacy. Privacy is important. Just like when mommy uses the bathroom, mommy would like privacy. Like, I know that um, so many moms don't get privacy and this may not be something that you want to incorporate in your own, um, you know, family routine, but as a mom, I do like privacy when I use the bathroom. And I know this may be TMI, but I think it's important for my kids to know that, look, this, this type of, when, you know, when you're doing certain things, bodily functions and things like that, you should have, have privacy. Someone shouldn't be looking over you. And just like they're going to give me that respect, they should expect that same respect from siblings and from friends as well. So, Miriam, how have you talked to your, let's start with your little ones. How okay, you well, the way that I approach the whole topic of sexual abuse and um, discomfort, um, I, number one, I do not make my children speak to people. If they don't want to say hi, I may, especially if it's a family member, someone who I know is safe, um, I will be like, come on, you say hi. And if they still don't want to, I'll be like, okay, maybe later. But I don't force them to say hi. I don't force them to give out hugs and kisses. Family, friends, or acquaintance, doesn't matter. Um, I've had some adults look at me strangely because I'm they don't want to say hi or I didn't you know say with enough force to cajole them into speaking to someone I don't make them if they're not saying hi it's because they feel uncomfortable for whatever reason or another if it's because they're uncomfortable with you 
if it's because they are feeling anxious within the situation, whatever it is, I let them have that. And I don't force them into people. I don't want to teach them that it's okay to ignore what your gut is saying. If whatever inside of you is saying, no, run away, please do. Because in the future, you're going to need to respond to that voice in kind. And I don't want you to, you know, push it down and then something happens because you didn't listen to yourself. So that's one thing that I do. I also um, have named parts specifically. This is your penis. This is your scrotum. This is your vagina. This is your behind. These are your breasts. They have names, and I've heard, you know, other people use things like um, your butterfly, your pee-pee, all these little cute, no, let's call it what it is. And I know that when other, I know a lot of times when people hear the anatomical word for something, they get a little cringy. And they're not quite comfortable. I'm not really sure what that's about. But in my mind, I could be wrong, that a predator may be uh, less, maybe a little more wary of tinkering with the child that knows what something is called specifically. Because then they have the, they have the language to be specific about what happens to them. Right. I could be wrong, but that's just the way I see it in my mind. I also told my girls, hey, the same thing my mama told me. If somebody is invading your space, especially when it's a man, it doesn't really work on females, you can kick them in the crotch. You certainly can, and you're not going to get in trouble with me about it. I remember when I was a child, there was a young, well, not a young man, there was a grown man who used to like to play with the children. I always thought he was a little Chester Chester, a little creepy. And so I wasn't usually in the mix with the children that were playing with him, but sometimes he would try to single me out and try to bring me into the tickle fest or whatever it was. I was really uncomfortable with it. I wasn't down for it. I wasn't having it. My mama said I didn't have to and I wasn't going to put up with it. And one day I felt very uncomfortable and thought he went a little too far and I gave him a swift kicking to the groin. He went, found my mother and told her that I had kicked him in the groin. And I love my mama. Let me tell you what she said. She said, so what were you doing that made her kick you in the groin? Because she wouldn't have just done that for no reason. His lips got tight and shortly thereafter she saw his back. He walked away because he did not have a reasonable explanation for why I kicked him. Because I said stop and he continued. So I have told them you can hit, scratch, kick, do whatever you got to do to free yourself. You don't have to let anybody 
touch you in a way that you don't want to be touched. And that's fine with me. You come back and you tell me as soon as you can. I don't care if someone says, shh, it's a secret. I don't care if somebody says, make sure you don't tell anybody. There are no secrets between adults and children. That's the way I am. So I've had these conversations with them. You know, I was like, this, this is your private area. If your clothes can cover it, nobody should be touching it. That's for you. That's not for anybody else. So if you're uncomfortable with the way someone is touching you, looking at you or making you feel, feel free to come and tell me. I will always believe you. So those are the things that I have implemented in my house. Um, and so far, I haven't had any, any real issues. I have had some family members that, you know, how come she won't talk to me? How come he's not trying to give me a hug? And I just say, well, you know, they're just not feeling it today. Quite casually and factually. Hope your feelings aren't hurt, but it looks like they are. I hope you get over that. I'm not about to make anybody give no hugs and kisses if they're not feeling it. Right. And I think that's very important. I know that um, growing up, I being the youngest, I was often around adults because my siblings were much older than me. And I remember on numerous occasions feeling uncomfortable around certain people and just just feeling uneasy. And I feel like when you have that certain feeling, listen to it. Just like you mentioned earlier, we want our kids, um, in last, the last episode, we talked about listening to our bodies for health reasons. This is one of those instances where we should tell our kids to trust their discernment. If you have an uneasy feeling about somebody, there's a reason that your brain is going there. Sometimes we don't have the words to explain it, but sometimes our subconscious and our body and, you know, you can, you know, kind of discern people's vibes. Mm -hmm. You may not have all the explanation to tell you somebody else why, but you get a feeling and it's okay to listen to that feeling. So I think it's important to equip kids with the assurance within themselves that they are confident enough to be able to move away from that situation, to not be alone with that person. Just listen to those innate feelings that are within you. And that is something that we promote as parents to our kids. Another thing is reading children books that will help them understand different instances in life. And I think there's so much that children can learn from books that they can apply to their lives. And this is one of those instances. I don't know, in the show notes, I will leave some modern books that are in print (laughs) that talk about stranger danger. Modern. (laughs) Or because a lot of times when children are 
abuse, not all, not only sexual, but there's other forms of abuse. It's usually someone that the family knows. It's usually not a stranger. Right. So that's something that we have to keep in mind. You know, growing up, we always talked about stranger. Don't talk to a stranger. But, you know, it's not the predator in the room is not usually a stranger. And that's something that adults really need to take to heart and to understand. So um, Miriam has one of the books that my mother gave me. I don't know if it's still in print because it's from 1987, but I thought it was a good explanation. And I took my girls and um, I read the book with them. I did it separately because I felt like the topic was sensitive. And even though I have twins, sometimes, you know, I have to actually make time to get to the root of something by having separate conversations with them by making them comfortable enough to tell me something when they may not feel comfortable seeing it in front of their sibling. So it's important as parents, even if you have multiple children, to pull them aside and get to know them individually and have a conversation with them. But Miriam, can you tell them the name of the book? Sure. The name of the book is A Better Safe Than Sorry Book, A Family Guide for Sexual Assault Prevention. This is the first time I had ever seen this book. I have seen other books in the library that um, speak to the topic of sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. And even though this book is 1987, it's very, um, uh, it's, it's a very thorough job. I think it's, I think that this is excellent. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it other than it's very, it's detailed enough without being um, explicit. And it's very clear and concise. And I felt like the book, why I liked it, I liked it because the book kind of, made it a little bit more comfortable to talk about it because as a parent, you know, it's a sensitive topic. And I know even when I started this podcast, I was like, oh, you know, I have to say it because sometimes as parents, just because the way we were raised to be kind of prude, we don't want to put our mouths to say certain words, but it's okay. And I felt like the book made me more at ease to talk about the correct names and the different body parts and really to get to the root of what we needed to talk about. And the book was just kind of like that friend in the room (laughs) with me, giving me that confidence and support to go ahead and have the conversation. And so um, I totally recommend it. In the show notes, I'm going to put a picture of the book um, just in case you can find it. But there are other books. This isn't the only one. But I just, this was the one that my mother gave me that I use with my girls. And it was helpful. And I think one thing that we also have to be aware of, it's not always adults that are predators to our rights. Right. And I know that, you know, we live in a culture where we talk about bullies. Sometimes our children are being bullied in a sexual way at school. And it's just something that exists. And it's, again, this is not new. You know, with social media, we hear about things and it seems more prevalent. 
because we're hearing about them, but they've always existed. They've existed in the past and they exist now, but your child doesn't only have to look out for adults right. who are um, doing things that are wrong. A lot of times it's other children who something has been done to them or, you know, and so it's happening from, from a child their age, from a peer, and it's not necessarily from an adult. So you have to keep in mind all of those aspects and just train your kids and just give them the, com I think just making your kids comfortable having these type of conversations is a start and it makes it so much easier so that they can let you know when they feel uncomfortable or certain things that may have happened because like we all heard about the gymnastics team and Dr. Larry Nasser, I believe his name was, mm -hmm. who I mean, sometimes when he was abusing kids, their parents were in the room. Right next to them. Mm -hmm. You know, and that is just blatantly almost unfathomable to me because here we are protectors and we love our children. And how could this even happen? It could happen because sometimes we don't know. And so having these sort of conversations, we have to have a conversations with each other, you know, so that we... Um, know what's appropriate because what he was, what Dr. Larry Nasser was doing was inappropriate. And unfortunately, the parents didn't have the knowledge, you know, from whatever reason to recognize the predator in action right in front of them. Can and, I interject you know, real quick? Oh, go ahead. Um, so I just wanted to go back to two things that you just said. So the books, although I'm not the parent that's afraid to well, I'm not afraid that's uncomfortable having these kinds of conversations with the children. I recognize that there are those who are, and I think that Elle was completely on point when she said books can be a, a great starting point. So then you feel like you're not using your words, you're using the author's words instead. And it can also um, open your mind to some of the scenarios that you hadn't quite considered. Like how when she, um, when Elle said the predators can also be young people. A lot of times we think mostly about our girls being victimized by grown men. However, girls are also victimized by grown women. A lot of times you'll find that a child was kidnapped and the kidnapper may have been male, but he had assistance from a woman because most children feel more comfortable around ladies because they have a mama and the mamas are generally more nurturing. And so women have this way of making children feel a little bit more at ease. And so in terms of being able to label a predator, you really kind of have to let them know that they kind of have to be aware of everyone and anyone you know it could even be a cousin that's the same age as them or maybe a couple years older or younger who is being overly aggressive and doing things that shouldn't be done so it's it's not just the girls it's the boys too we have young young men who are doing the victimizing. We have young men who are being the victims. And so it's 
as Elle said, it's nothing new. Far too often, a lot of the people that are doing the hurting have been hurt themselves. I myself don't quite understand how that works because you know what it felt like. Why do you want to put that on somebody else? But at the same time, I recognize that their state of thought is not complete. It's not healthy because it was interrupted at whatever age it was interrupted. And they're kind of stuck in that spot. And they may, they may know what they're doing is wrong, but they don't really understand what's driving the behaviors. So, you know, we have to really make sure that we tell our children that there's no there's no big mean nasty face on most predators you know it's often a smile it's often warm and friendly it doesn't come to you in the face of a snarling dog or else you definitely would run away so I think that's another point that needs to be made. And about Dr. Gymnastic Guy, I think that part of his ability to get away with that stuff was the fact that it was in a medical setting. So you already know doctors have to touch you. So in touching, if I make it seem like, oh, I'm just palpitating the breast to make sure there's no lumps and things like that, but I, I'm taking extra liberty of going beyond the realm of palpitations. Is that the word for that? Is that what that's called? <laughs> I, don't I don't know, but you know what I'm talking about when you got <laughs> rub the little circles around your boob and you're making sure that there's not any lumps and other things that shouldn't be going on there. And so in my opinion, I can see how a parent could be in the room sitting right there and, you know, the doctor is doing something that he shouldn't be doing, but it comes across as very medically professional because, you know, that's what happens when we go for a pap smear we're kind of, our bodies are kind of being invaded. I refer to it as being laid and splayed. But, because <laughs> that's what's happening. But, okay. you know, I can see how a doctor could be doing something in that particular instance as well, and it go unnoticed because it's a common, typical feminine exam not feminine that's not the word exam that's done on females and you know when they're under that sheet only the child would know or you know only the patient would really know what they're feeling or what's happening and if the patient doesn't feel comfortable enough to say hey what are you doing then I could see how how he was able to get away with that sort of thing for 
many years. I think it's a very sick and twisted individual that can just be okay with victimizing people in this way. I really think that we really have to be vigilant in showing our children all the many faces of danger because danger doesn't always look big, bad, and scary. Well, I, I feel like we've, we've had a loaded conversation today and I feel like we should probably wrap it up right here. And what I want to do, I want to do a follow-up conversation. I have a sister who is a licensed clinical um, social worker and mm. she actually is a therapist and she specializes in sexual abuse. And so I would like to do a follow-up show with her so that she can tell you some of the expertise that she has, some things to look out for. Um, and so I want us both to have a chance to have her in the, in the conversation. So if you guys have questions that you would like us to pose to her, please send us a message. You can send the message to cleverlychanging at gmail.com. That's C-L-E-V-E-R-L-Y-C-H-A-N-G-I-N-G at gmail.com. And in the subject, put question for podcasts. So we are definitely interested in hearing from you. If you've been enjoying this podcast, share it with a friend. And we look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Have a great day.